Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His name shall be the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace. Of all earth's kingdoms conqueror, whose reign shall never cease. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. chapter 11 this morning and uh, for those of you who weren't here we look back in 10 in the Sunday school hour I, I did two chapters in one day and then I'm spending five weeks on the next one that's uh, but I want to go back after some things were done and said and taught and review that which we did do some more of that in the future but we are in day the 11th chapter and we're going to start in verse 12 we're going to be in verse 12, the barren fig tree. A whole lot to teach about this, a whole lot to learn about the barren fig tree. And uh, we just pray the Lord to help us understand it some more. And so we started last week, and this chapter is about authority. It's about authority. And when we get to the part of the prayer of faith, it says, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be you removed. That's a real... Uh, interesting passage, and that's the passage in this pat in this uh, part of the Bible, this chapter. That's where we get our authority. That's where the Lord gets given our authority. So, the question in the eleventh chapter that gives away the meaning, it tells us the meaning of the chapter is verse twenty-eight. By what authority? Dost thou these things, and who gave thee this authority to do these things? When the scribes and the Pharisees asked Jesus after cleansing the temple. He's heading back for the temple as we speak this morning. He went in and looked at it. He surveyed it, went home, came back the next day, and cleansed the temple. We saw that. And they want to know how he did that, why he did that. But let me say this, no one stopped him. It doesn't say there was an attempt to stop him. Where did he get his authority? The chapter is about authority. The withering of the fig tree was his authority. The cleansing of the temple was his authority. The coming in on a donkey, a colt of a donkey that had never been ridden, and the donkey let him do it, his authority. He's the creator of the donkey. He's 
home is the temple. That's his house. That's his father's house. And he said, no. If you came home sometime and there was people desecrating your home, you have the authority to go in there and clean it out. That's where the Lord went. He went to his father's house, the temple. He was being desecrated. He said, not my father's house, you don't. And he cleaned them out. Again, I say to you that uh, the first cleansing is recorded in John, I think the second chapter. John, early in John, the first cleansing is recorded there. He said he sat and made a whip. He watched them desecrating the temple, and he sat and he braided a whip, and he took it in. He threw over the tables. He let the animals free. He told the people, you're not going to do that. We see in this chapter that he saw the people coming through the temple using it for a thoroughfare. They're just walking through the temple and doing their daily business. And he said, no, this isn't, no, you no, know, you're not reverencing my father's house. And he threw them out. We'll look at that again in the last part of the chapter. Now we're in verse 12. And we begin this morning, if you would pray with me. Let's have the father come and teach us. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, your kindness, and for your authority. We thank you that you're the creator of the universe, the creator of all that is. And Lord, your crowning creation would be mankind, particularly the woman. May we understand that. Father, we thank you today that you're the author of the book through your Holy Spirit, that the author can speak to us and tell us all things meant by this teaching, by this writing, recorded for a purpose for us to understand. Lord, we ask today that you would open our understanding, you would open our ears, our hearts, our mind, our spirits, help us to know, help us to gain insights that the flesh cannot get, flesh may not want, but help us, Father, to understand through your spirit what you have for us. May we implement those things into our lives. May we live tomorrow and today because we know these things better than we lived yesterday and the days before. We love you this morning. We thank you for allowing us to be here. I thank you particularly for the people who have braved the cold to come and not comfortable. But I thank you that we can listen to your word together. Give them comfort out there, I pray. Father, teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. And it came on the morrow, verse 12, chapter 11, Mark. It came on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, and he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, <laughs> he's answering a tree, uh, isn't that good? He answered and said to it, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. His disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and went into the temple and began to cast them out and sold and bought in the temple and overthrew tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would suffer and would not suffer that any should carry any vessel through the temple and he taught saying unto them 
is not written, is it not written, my house shall be called, listen carefully now, of all nations, the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Peter said something and he answered them. He answered, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have. Now listen to the condition. That's the promise. Listen to the condition. And when you stand praying, forgive. For if you have aught against any, that your brother also, which is in heaven, may forgive you, your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses and they came again into Jerusalem and as he was walking in the temple there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and they say to him by what authority dost thou these things and who gave thee this authority to do these things and Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one question, and answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say then, oh, Why then did you not believe him? And if we say of men, they feared the people. For all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said to Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amazing how many people are politicians. We look at the withered fig tree. We look at why Jesus cursed the fig tree this morning. And I hope that you'll gain some insights that you maybe haven't had before. I know that every study that I do of these things makes me amazed. I truly, I say clearly and honestly, as I study scripture, every passage I come to, as I get deeper into it, it amazes me. The word of God is amazing. The depth of it, the riches that are in the scriptures are amazing. The teachings the life-changing teachings of every passage, and I believe what I'm saying, is astounding. Life-changing in every passage. Nothing Jesus said was filler. Nothing he said was put there just to 
be a bridge or a link to something else. And I say that standing amazed at that. I've read some authors in my life, some human authors, uh, <laughs> human authors, and I say this. A lot of filler. A lot of run-on. A lot of unconsequential chatter from most. Not a sentence in the Bible. Not a misplaced word. Not a sentence in the Bible is not astounding to us. And so we look at this passage and it says, and on the morrow, on the morrow after he came to town and they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. And we see in other passages as we looked at this and we look at them singing later in the temple when Jesus cleanses the temple, he doesn't leave the temple. Matter of fact, he sits there and teaches for a week. He cleansed the temple and then he set guard that nobody would come and do that. And by the way, they didn't do it. They stood back, particularly those who were in leadership authority and the religious leaders of the day, angrily watching him, devising a plan to kill him, to take him out. And it says here to destroy him. That's what they wanted to do. And they couldn't do it. And by the way, if you don't know this for sure in your heart, the cross was by his permission only. They didn't kill Jesus. They couldn't have killed Jesus if he said no. But that's why he came. He said yes. He said yes in eternity past to a cross to save you and me. The triune God had met in eternity past and said, when created man, he's going to fall down. And God the Father somehow said this. The penalty must be paid from a sinless one. And Jesus said, I'll do it. Can you imagine that? Some they're going to spit in your face. They're going to cut your back. They're going to drive nails through you and hang you up on a wooden cross. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the older I get, that story gets more amazing. You may, you may think, well, I've heard that before, and I said, it's just so much religion or so much teaching. Would you consider that? Would you get on your knees before God and ask him to show you what the cross means? That God, the very God, came down here, wrapped himself in flesh, and took all the punishment that we deserve. And I've said that to so many people who have spit. <laughs> Don't care about that. I'm going to tell you something. It's a secret to most people. When the Lord comes back, they're going to care a whole lot. When the Lord returns and looks them in the eye and says, I gave you a life, what did you do with it? I gave you influence, what did you do with it? Uh, they're going to care. The cockiness will go away. The arrogance will go away. The Bible says fear and astonishment will take them over. And the Lord's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's about relationship. He's not going to say you were not good enough. He's not going to say you were too bad. He's not going to say these are your sins. He's going to say you never were saved. You never came to me and humbled yourself and said you can't. You always thought you could. And uh, you never came to me. And so he looks at this fig tree. 
Now, I don't believe for a second he didn't know there weren't fruit on that before that. I know this. He looked at the fig tree and said, look over there, and it was a beautiful tree. It was full of leaves. It was leaved out. Beautiful tree. But when he got there, there was no utility. There was no fruit. Now, what is the Creator's purpose in creating a fig tree? What is the purpose of the fig tree? I'm going to help you with that. Figs. That is the purpose of a fig tree, figs. That's the purpose of a fig tree. Now, it could be beautiful. It could be oriental. Uh, ornamental, I'm sorry. It could be oriental. A little. <laughs> it could be ornamental. Beautiful. I mean, it could be a source of shade along the way. There's no figs in stir-fry, is there? So, it could be a great place to come along the road and sit and get shade. But that's not the intended purpose of this tree. This tree's purpose was to produce fruit. Now, this is going to be a tough lesson. This one beats me up every single time. When I grew up, the saying of the farmer was, that guy there is all hat and no cattle. He's all mouth and no back pockets. He's all mouth and no shoulders. I heard those things growing up from farmers who, and there's always a braggart in the group. Everybody knows there is. There's always someone who says they know what you ought to do. They know what your life should be, but they can't seem to get theirs together. Well, I say to you this morning, and I want you to really consider this idea. Every hour I'm going to say this until I quit preaching. The Lord made you, individually you, for an intended purpose. He knew he knew he was going to born you in a family that the parents, the siblings, the location. And people say, well, my dad got a new job and just we're going to move to Detroit. You think the Lord doesn't know about that? The book's not written? You don't think there's people in Detroit that need you with your particular skills and your mentality and your gifts? The Bible says that's what happens. Nothing by chance. Providence is what the Bible called it. I want you to think about that. You know there are going to be people, and we're heading for this. This is the end of the message. I'm going to give it to you now so you can think about it while we're talking, while I'm talking. Listen, there are going to be people standing before the Lord one day and get, oh, God, get this down. There are going to be people standing before the Lord one day who can actually say, I was in church every Sunday. I was a greeter. I taught Sunday school. I was a deacon. I was a Beth tither. The best one. I gave, and I gave, and I gave. I looked good. I wore some clothes, and, and that, although that doesn't matter too much, it, it, it can be right if you did it to honor God. God said, bring me your very best. Bring me your best. That means different things to different people. We don't judge, but I'll say this. Someone can stand before God one day and go, I wore my best every Sunday. I got up and I, I gave you my best. I scrubbed and I cleaned. 
and I got myself ready to be in your house to worship, honor you. There are going to be people, and the Bible says there are going to be multitudes of people who can say those things in pure honesty. Oh, I gave to the children. In our little group, I love this idea of a prayer pal. I love that. I want to say I believe my life would be very different today without someone praying for me. Praying for me. Some woman somewhere promised me that she called my name to the throne of God every day. I heard a woman say that. She said, when your mother died, we took you children, different women, and the way it was done was apparently in God's hand because they didn't know who took who and didn't know anybody else was doing it, but they went into the preacher and said, I want to pray for nine of us, and, and they picked nine of us. Nine women went in there and picked nine of us, and no one picked the same one. A couple of them apparently didn't do much, but the nine women went in there and told my the pastor of that church they wanted to pray for the children. That's the story the church people, the deacon, told me. And a woman said, I had you. She said, I wouldn't I want to pray for you. My older brother met the one that prayed for him. And she said, when I was sick, when I was on my sick bed and I was sick and didn't have enough strength to pray for my own children, I prayed for you. And he's a Christian that means it. We all have our faults. I want to tell you this. The prayer that I think God hears is a prayer of a mother for her children. I believe that. Oh, can you imagine the prayer of a mother for her children? Read the Bible. Look at Hannah's prayer. Look at Mary's prayer. Look at Elizabeth's prayer. Look at the prayers of the mothers for the children. But I want to say there are going to be people who stand before the Lord one day. And they're going to be able to say, I gave, I was there, I worked, I helped build the church, I painted the church, I did all of these things. And they neglected the one thing, the salvation. Because a lot of people in this world believe it's about being good. It's not about being good. And let me say this to you, and those out there, the doors are shut, don't drive away. Listen now, here's what I want to tell you, you're not good. There's not much good about you. You believe that? Get mad. See what comes up in your little heart and your little head. Be offended. Be hurt. Be wounded and see what comes up in your heart because I'm, I can preach this so easily because I have that same heart and head. Revenge is what the flesh wants. Forgiveness is what the spirit demands. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Jesus said when you stand praying, forgive. If you want your prayers to be heard, you got to forgive. It's a tough one. I'll give you that. I know it myself. How many people are going to stand before the Lord one day and be all hat and no cattle? How many people are going to stand there, all oh, they had on the nice clothes, like that means something? If you're coming here for a fashion show, you ought to win. <laughs> it ought to be an easy one. If you're coming here to be a part of a fashion show, you ought to be the winner. won't take much here. We don't buy into that. I'll tell you something else. If you come here believing you're the best one here, you got a problem. You have an issue. 
only the Lord can fix it. But there will be those people, and the Bible says many shall come in that day. Many shall come saying, Lord, Lord, did we not? And they're going to do some real religious things. Cast out demons. You ever done that? They did. The Lord didn't say no. Prophesy in your name and do many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. Matthew 7, read it for yourself. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. Evildoers is what it says. I never knew you. Been to church every Sunday. Tithed every Sunday. I'm not against any of these things. I'm just saying if you do it with the wrong reason, with the wrong motive, it works against you, not for you. And many, many people are deceived. I've heard people that call themselves pastors, priests, and rabbis in my presence tell people, well, you got nothing to worry about. You were there every Sunday. Well, you're a tither, aren't you? Well, your daddy helped build this church. You're good. I've been made the butt of a lot of angry comments when I chase that person out the door and say, that's a lie. That's from hell. You mean that preacher, that priest, that rabbi just told me something from hell? I'm saying, that's from hell. That's a lie from hell. That's called deception. That is not the way you gain eternal life. We looked last hour at the rich young ruler in chapter 10. He said, what good thing, good master, what good thing must I do? And Jesus, the first thing Jesus said was, why do you call me good? Let's clear the air. Let's get the ground. What, what's your opinion? What, what is good? What are we talking about here? What's good? He clearly saw Jesus as a good moral man. Missing the relationship with God the Father completely. He saw him as a good moral man and he said, what must I do to be like you? How can I be a good moral man? The Lord gives him the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. Those relating to people said, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, don't defraud, don't honor your, and do honor your father and your mother. He said, I've done all of that. You read the story. It's in the, cha it's in the tenth chapter. But the fact is this. He missed the point of relationship. Missed it completely. I'm sure he was there to hear the Lord say, well, you're good. He wanted to hear it, and he did it in front of people. He came and kneeled before He ran, the Bible says, to him, kneeled before him and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's what Mark says. Matthew recorded it this way. What good thing must I do? Can I tell you this morning in your flesh, you can't do any good things? <laughs> Our goodness is filthy rags, the Bible says, before God. It's, it's the Spirit motivated. It's once you're born again. It's kindness. It is good stuff to, to shovel your old neighbor's driveway when it snows. That's good. But what you get from that is what you get from that. You get a good feeling. They're grateful. You get some cookies later probably. You get something, maybe a pie. But that's what you get. That's, it's, it's done now. And they think well of you and you're happy to do it. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. It has nothing to do with merit for heaven. Nothing. Now, if you're saved and you've come and you're in a relationship and you do that because I want to share how good God is to me with, with someone else, look at that. It's a rewardable act. God's going to say, because I loved you, you loved her. Good going. Good man. Isn't that something? The difference is only this. One time in my life, in your life, we humbled ourselves and said, God, I can't do it. 
I can't do it. I can't do what it takes to get to heaven. I fail. And the Lord says, that's right, but I can. And the fact is, I've already done it. That's what the cross was all about. I paid your sin debt, and if you come and ask me, I'll wash away your sins and forgive you and give you, impart to you eternal life. It's that, much, it's that simple, and yet it's that far away from the majority because Jesus said, many shall come to me in that day, the judgment day, and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he will say unto them, depart from me. Isn't that sad? And, and their testimony is, the rich young ruler said, I've done all those things since my youth. He did not say you did not. He just said one thing you lack, and that is, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Isn't that something? Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9 are the one, two of the most... Uh, Memorized verses in my lifetime of the groups I've been around. In my life, most people know Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that have had church background. For by grace are you saved through faith. How are you saved? By being good? No. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. You didn't do it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. Listen to me. You're not good. Your heart is so dark. Your fleshly heart gets so worked up when you get hurt that the things that come out of there would keep anybody out of heaven and that's just the thoughts a lot of people carry them out and they get to spend time in an orange suit in a two two squares and what two hots and a cot they get to go to prison for those things hey i've thought of things I've, i've had things come in my head that would put me in prison if i did them So I have to scale back and just do those things that put me in a bigger set of clothes. That's right. Coddle myself. But can I tell you this? I want to say this morning, I'm going to heaven when I die. You know how I know? Jesus said, if you will ask me, I'll answer you. And I will in no wise cast you out. No wise. There's no way. If you come unto me, I will in no wise cast you out. And at 10 years old, before I knew how nasty this world is, how ugly it is, how dark and how vile it is, I just knew that I was a sinner. When I was 10 years old and the Lord calling me and impressing on me I needed to be saved, I believe with all my heart I was the nastiest thing on the planet. There are people who have done the worst things than I've done, but they're all sin, and they all take you to hell. There's no difference. I was a 10-year-old boy, and I thought, I remember lying. And I took some things that weren't mine, and I, I, I just sweat, and I laid in bed and cried and begged God to forgive me. 10-year-old boy. Today, it's been the last 10 years, have really opened my eyes to what the world really is like. I say to you this, outside these doors... And I'm not just talking about the people in the parking lot, but outside the doors of the church. It's a lie out there. I've said that so many times and people just look at me like, okay, whatever. You're going to find out what kind of lie it was here. Coming to a theater near you. Coming attractions, folks, it's here. The Lord's going to shake it and he's going to shake it where the world knows that it was his hands that shook it. The day is coming. The day is at hand. 
the Lord is going to put some stop to some things that have been going on for generations. I believe that with everything in me. Here's what I know. It's all out in the open now. It's all out in the open. I have a book at home. I'm not supposed to talk about these things. It's called The Illuminati, written, when was that, Janet? Late 50s. The plots and the deeds behind the cartels and the banking system. That Now, some of you people think I shouldn't be talking about in Christian circles. But I'm the preacher, so we're going to do it. Some of you think we shouldn't talk about it, but it's the underworld. It's the satanic movement that keeps people in bondage and slavery. And I want to say something to you that are big enough to accept it. Real deception. And when evil gets in, and when evil becomes worse and worse, deceived and being deceived, and evil men, evil men, evil women get worse and worse, it always turns sexual and it always turns to the children every single time. Believe me? You will about June. You're going to believe every word I'm telling you. Every time this lust for power, for money, greed gets into the soul of a man and a woman, it always turns sexual because that's God's... Oh, that's, that's what God gave His children to love you so much. He said, I want you to know that's my gift to you. What does Satan do with God's gifts? And don't you know that the fruit of that, the fruit of that is this little innocent, beautiful children. What is Satan's plan? To take from those who have a little? They have, they, the evil of the world, have so much they can't even imagine to spend it all. But they want what you have too. That's evil, that's deception, that's satanic, dark. It's from the underworld. People are going to meet Christ one day. And I'm not talking about those people now. I'm talking about who we would know as good neighbors. People are going to meet the Christ that we know as good neighbors, co-workers, uh, neighbors. People, our families are identified with and our children's friends, that group. And we would look at them and talk to them and say, now that's a nice girl, that's a good man. Those are nice people. So many of those are going to meet Christ and find out they're not going to heaven for eternity because they were leaves but no figs. They were doing good things in the flesh. The parable of the fig tree the parable of the fig tree is found in the book of Luke in chapter 19 chapter 19 of Luke and there's a parable there that seemingly just stops and doesn't get answered and I wondered about it in my studies and now I find in my studies the last two weeks why and the why is because it's answered in our current text now listen carefully, Luke 19 and 39, it says, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And um, that's not where I was going at all. I'm going to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, I'm sorry. Boy, 19 was good though. Go back and read that some more. 
That was good. That was good. Luke 13 and verse 6, it says, And he spake this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth the ground? Hear it? Why cumbereth the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after thou, after that thou shalt cut it down. You see the parable of the fig tree when Jesus spoke, and he said he came in three years, the tree was fruitless, and he said, just cut it down. It's just wearing the ground out for nothing. It's taking resources. That's Luke 13, 6 through 9. Now that's interesting when you're studying this parable of, or this story of the withered fig tree. The Lord said, cut it down. Why come with the ground? And he answered and said, let it alone this year also till I shall dig it and fertilize it, dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that I'll cut it down. So what's the difference between the two? That's where your mind has to go, studying the Bible. We're looking at this one. Jesus came, and it was leafy, and it had no figs, and he cursed it, and it, it withered away immediately, the Bible says. In the parable he taught, he said, cut it down, and why cumber the ground any longer? And the, the, the dresser, the farmer, the husbandman, the one taking care of it said, let's give it another year. So what's the difference? Well, do you remember Psalm chapter 1? Remember the first Psalm? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That's a beautiful thing. The Lord talks about his children. But now we stick with this. The difference is this. He finishes the parable in our current passage. And when we look at this, this is what I want to say to you. This may be the statement I want you to hear the most today. This may be the thing I want you to hear more than anything else. It wasn't because the tree wasn't beautiful. It wasn't because he didn't give shade. It wasn't because of any other reason that he cursed the tree and it withered. It was because of this. The sole reason for his curse to the tree that took its life was barrenness. Lack of fruit production. I think that's um, awesome. I want to say frightening. My my body wants to say frightening. I think that's awesome to the Christian to understand. The sole reason for Jesus cursing a tree and killing it on the spot was a sole purpose of fruitlessness. And so what does the Bible say the Christian is here for? And what do we actually do? This is tough. This is hard stuff. I get that. And this is stuff that makes the pews empty and the parking lot empty. But are you serious about the Lord? Or do you want me to rub your ears a little bit and you can go home and feel like you've done something? Now, he, the Lord, if you tithe, and uh, if you tithe as the Bible commands with a proper motive, the, the blessings and the rewards are unbelievable. 
and and worship here in this life and in the and in the world to come. I'll openly bless you, and that's why we tithe. We want to give back. Giving back some of what the Lord gave you is that hard? Most people will not even consider it. The real heart that loves God can't give enough. Can't do it. Doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt the tithe. It's seen as a privilege and an honor, and glad to do it. And that's how it works in the real Christian heart. But the solemn reason I want you to get that. No other thing. The solemn reason that Jesus cursed the tree. From a distance, he said, look how beautiful that is. Look at the leaves. That thing must be fruitful. And we're comparing now, we're comparing trees to people. He said, look at that tree. Look at that song leader. Listen to that preacher. Look at that person who's there every Sunday. But we're going to stand before the Lord. And all that we have done, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, all that we have done is going to pass through a fire and what we did for Him will be purified in the fire and what we did for us will be burned to ashes in the fire. What will you and I have at the end of the burning? I don't know how you feel about these passages. I don't know what you do with it. You're here. God bless you for coming back. Many people wouldn't come and hear this a second Sunday, and I think it's amazing that you do. But these are the things that keep me awake at night. These are the things that wake me up at night, that make me lay and think and stare at the ceiling and think, what does that mean particularly? Now, if we go to Isaiah 5, these people knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. I'll read it to you. Listen to this passage, Isaiah 5 and 1. It says, Now I will sing, now I will sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Listen carefully now. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choice vines, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. You think he was expecting something? Build a wine press in the middle of the uh, vineyard? And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Unusable grapes, by the way. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. Listen to what the Holy Spirit cries out in, in behalf of the Lord to his vineyard. Verse 4 of, of the fifth verse of Isaiah, fifth chapter of Isaiah, he says in verse 4, What could I have done more? To my vineyard. What could I have done more in my vineyard and have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that I should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. Now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. You hear it? I will lay it waste. That's a curse, isn't it? It shall not be pruned nor dig, but there shall come up briars and thorns. Listen carefully now. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. Take away the blessings. Verse 7 says very clearly, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. 
and the men of Judah his pleasant planet. I don't need God. I've heard that stupid line so many times. I don't need God. I'm good. I'm strong. I can do my job. I take care of my family. We have a brand new truck. Our home is nice. My kids are well. They, they're in sports. I can buy their tennis shoes. I can take care of my family just fine. I don't need God. Really? First of all, they gave you life, and then they give you all the things that sustain life, and then he gives you the ability to navigate through the life. And if you have a brain that's better than some people, isn't that amazing? But you're misusing that brain and thinking with it how much you don't need God instead of how grateful you are. He gave it to you. I've heard those stupid things all my life. Now that's you you can't be dumber than that. And these people believe they're brilliant. I'm doing so well. I'm doing so well. And they're going to stand before the Lord one day as a tree that's got leaves but no fruit. Yeah, it looked good. Man, it looked, you lived in that house on the block. That was, the, that was the nicest house on the block. And you manicured that lawn and you pulled that, you waxed that truck on Saturday afternoon. And your wife didn't have to go to work. Huh? But you forgot me. You did all of that for you. And I want you to know you got your reward. Everybody that was impressed by that, most of them are dead and gone, and that you got your reward. But let me tell you something. What that place could have been if I was there. You had the best of the best, and I gave it to you. I'll let you have it. But you never thanked me. You never allowed me to be in the house with you. You never invited me to the meal times or the family times, or you didn't invite me to come in. Now, good for you. You had all you wanted. Good for you. Depart from me. I never knew you. Lord, I tithed at the church. Oh, I was the man. I was the man. And he said, you're still the man. I'm looking for the Spirit of God. I'll see you. People, people listen. The Lord is going to look at us one day. And those that are at the throne of great, those are at the, at the uh, beam seat, the judgment seat that we're at are not going to be talked to this way because they're, they're Christians. But at the great white throne at the last day, the Lord is going to say, what more have I could have done? What, what more could I have given you? Everything I gave you, you wasted. You weren't grateful for it. You didn't thank me for it. And you squandered it. What more? And I just kept giving you more. And you just threw it out the window. Isn't that going to be a terrible day for people? I'm telling you, if you're listening to me this morning, you're rich. Everybody. You got a nice bed, you got hot water, you got a refrigerator, and it's full, and your pantry's full, and your closet's full, and you're tripping over boxes of Coca Cola in the doorway. They come now, you, you can't. Uh, you can't pass that deal when they go on sale. You know, you got to stock up on that stuff. Hmm? And the Lord's going to say, really? You couldn't say thank you? You couldn't turn to me, look up, look up once and say thank you? Oh, 
iron this. I got up and went to work every day. I did this. It's mine. I did it. And the Lord's going to say, who put, who put the strength in your body and in the, in the heart, the blood flowing? Go back to Jude. I'm going to move rather quickly. I'm, we're, we're just done here this morning. Jude says in uh, one chapter there, so Jude verse 4, it says, There were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ, denying Him. How do you deny Him? You ignore Him. These are ungodly men in the, in the Lord's eyes. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. I have no time to tell you what that means except this. They were all deceived in flesh. They all were deceived by the flesh. Now here's where I wanted to get to, verse 12 of Jude. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Listen to how he categorizes and how he, uh, what he says about these people. They are <clears throat> clouds without water. Clouds without water. Carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit wither without fruit. Twice dead plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom it is reserved the blackness of the darkness forever. Fruitless fruit trees. We have to close. The time has gotten away. You only have about six hours to get ready for the ball game. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? Can you hear what the Lord thinks of this? These are clouds without water. That tells me they're empty and useless. They're carried about of the wind. That tells me they're unstable. They're trees whose fruit has withered, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, fruitless and barren. And one of these days, I'm going to stand before the Lord. And you're going to stand before the Lord. One of these days. And these eyes, God's eyes, are going to look at you and me. We're going to look in the eyes of God. The one who came and died in my place. The one who, who could say to me, not going to say it to me because I'm not at that judgment. He's not going to say, what more could I have given you? Why wouldn't you turn to me? He's not going to say that to us, but we're going to look in those same eyes that love, just love, pure love. We're going to look in those eyes and give an account for how we live this life. And we don't have to have a rebuttal. We have no argument. We need no attorney. We have no defense because he's going to say, here's your life right here. I've, I've kept it all, and it's going to go through this fire over here. 
And everything we ever thought, said, or did is going to go through this fire. And everything, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, read that, read that, look at it. Everything we ever did is going to go through a fire. That which we did for Him is going to be purified. That's called gold, silver, and precious stone. And those that we did solely for us are going to burn. And the, and the garner's fan is going to blow the ashes away. Now, how are you dealing with that? I think about that often. I think about it often. You can do the simplest, you can give away the simplest little things and make people's day. Can I tell you a secret right now in this world? All of you, your thumbs are shorter than they were 10 years ago because you're wearing them down. Can I tell you something? If you sat down behind a desk and wrote something on a piece of paper with an ink pen and fold it up and send it in the mail, you'll have somebody jumping up and down on the other end. They didn't text me. They sat down and wrote me a letter. I thank you, no. Just to say this, I mean, I'm telling you, it's happened to me, and I've done it myself. Just a little note to say, you don't know how you affected my life. You have no idea when I was young and you said this to me, did this for me. You have no idea what that did for my life. I've gotten them and I've sent them. And I want to say to you, both of them are so rewarding. You sat down, you took your time, you picked up a pen, you got out some of this thing. Now, young people, there's a thing called paper. Rural, ruled paper, notepads. Look in the antique mall, you'll find them. And you can write your name and express yourself. Uh, I guess kids can write today, I don't know. But you can write something on there and make somebody's day, week, maybe their life by saying, I just want to tell you what you did for me, and I'm so grateful. I thank God for you. It's amazing. That little thing is going to pass through the fire, and Jesus is going to say, Because unto the least of these, unto the least of these, you did it unto me. You want a, you want a real one? Sit down and get a piece of paper and tell Jesus how grateful you are for what he's done for you. I'm not sure where to send it, but you know what? He'll get it. Don't lick the sap. You'll waste it. But I'm telling you this. He'll get it. Sit down heart to heart and tell Jesus Christ what you think of him. Believe it? Thanks for coming today, folks. This is so good. We're just running through this chapter. <laughs> That's me. No point in hurrying. Lord, we thank you for having us here today. We thank you for we can come into your house. We can come into the presence of the word spoken. And Father, we just pray that you would teach us that we might live it out. Thank you for who's here today. Thank you for their patience and their attendance. Lord, I just thank you that people want to hear what you have to say. Thank you for telling us. Bless our days now ahead of us. Bless our day today, our week to come. Bless each family here, out into the other family members. Bless our children. Bless the babies. Thank you now for who you are and who we are because of you, who we are in you. Thank you, Lord, now. In Jesus' name.